Welcome to the Jesus Culture Sacramento Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Banny Leipscher. Well, it is good to be with you. I actually, I really genuinely, I, I, I wish we could all get in the room together um, as one church, San Diego and Sacramento. But San Diego, honestly, I just want to say this, we're so encouraged by all that God is doing down there. And uh, just the reports that we hear, we, we have staff every week and just Zach sharing the reports. What, what, you know what San Diego's seeing is a massive breakthrough in healings. They're seeing the, uh, just the power of God has been happening down there and just seeing such incredible. Thank you, the five people up here that are excited about that. But uh, uh, it's too late now. But Do you have your Bibles? Get your Bibles out. Here's January 1st. January 1st is me saying everything is the year 20. 2023 is the year of the Bible. <laughs> it's, it's the year of tithing. It's the year of breakthrough. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 3 in just a minute, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. I want to uh, share a word, and we're actually going to end this time together corporately with more worship and just seeking the Lord. But as we kind of kick off, 21 days of prayer and fasting, as we kick off 2023, I want to share just a simple word uh, from a dream that I had. I shared this a couple weeks ago here in Sacramento. I haven't shared it in San Diego as far as the dream, but I had a pretty simple dream, I don't know, maybe a month ago now, that I really believe is a word from the Lord for our churches. I think that we really need to pay attention when the Lord's speaking. I think sometimes if you grew up in charismatic circles, we can kind of jump from prophetic word to prophetic word. Sometimes we're just wanting a new prophetic word because we love the prophetic and it makes us feel good. But this isn't about jumping from prophetic word to prophetic word or just looking for a new word. God speaks to us intentionally for a couple of reasons. When the Lord releases a word over a church or whenever he releases a word prophetically, he's wanting to do a few things. And one of them is this. God is wanting to stir a hunger for what he's doing. I think this is important. Many times the Lord will release a word to us because he's wanting to stir a hunger inside of us for that thing. I think that church should be the most electric atmosphere of any atmosphere you're ever in because of this. Because every time we gather, whenever you get one-on-one -on -one with God, whenever you open your word, or whenever we gather as a people in small groups or on Tuesday nights or on Sunday mornings or Thursdays, whenever it is, there should be an expectation and anticipation in the air. That every time we gather, there should be an anticipation and expectation for what God's going to do. And I think many times God releases a word to us because he's trying to stir in us a hunger for what he wants to do. There should be something in us that says, God, every time we gather. Listen, we just got done with Christmas. The, 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 maybe, the, maybe the easiest picture to paint you is children the night before Christmas. That level of anticipation, that level of expectation, that understanding that tomorrow morning something's about to happen. That thing that says tomorrow morning I'm going to wake up 
and there are going to be presents around the, uh, underneath the, the tree. I am going to experience something good in the morning, something exciting in the morning. So because kids understand what's going to happen the mor- in the morning, they go to bed with anticipation and expectation. In, in Joshua, we, we read this in Joshua chapter three. There's just this phrase, I'll put it up on the screen. But, but it just says, consecrate yourself. Look at this. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. And then he tells them what's going to happen the next day. Tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. Think about the people that go to bed that night thinking God's about to do something amazing tomorrow in our midst. And that idea that every time we gather, there's this sense of we are gathering to meet with God and God is going to move in our midst. I remember when I was in my 20s and I'd get up early in the morning and pray. And, uh, and, and I, I, I've shared this before. I don't want to share all this, but I would get up and 5 a.m. I'd go to the prayer house, the alabaster house there at Bethel. We just lived about four minutes away from the church. And I'd go and I'd get there at five and I would just go meet with God. I, it, was, it was this kind of like, uh, it's, uh, I've shared this, it's hard to describe, but there's like, there's this kind of double doors and you walk down this, walk, this kind of hallway to another set of double doors and then walk into this kind of circular room that's the prayer room. And I'd get up in the morning, I'd drive, it'd be dark, nobody was there. And I'd get there, I'd get out of my car, I'd go through the first set of double doors, I'd walk down the hallway, and I would open the second set of double doors, and I would step into that room. And it's hard to describe, but I would walk into the presence of God and just know God is here waiting to meet with me. Uh, sometimes I would just walk in and just begin to weep because, I, and was God with me at my house and in the car? Yes. But there was something about God waiting for me in that room as I came in. And the reason I share that is because I remember I would go to bed at night with just this excitement. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to meet with God. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to walk through those doors and God's going to be there waiting for me. I think sometimes the Lord shares things because he's trying to stir this level of hunger in us. He's trying to stir this level of anticipation This is my prayer for this year down in San Diego here in Sacramento. Every time you go to bed on Saturday night, there's just this stirring in you that says, tomorrow we're going to meet with God. Tomorrow God's going to move in our midst. Every time you go open your word, there's just an anticipation and an expectation that God's going to speak to me, that God's going to transform me. And every time you go to prayer, every time you go to small group, every time there's just that level of anticipation. I think the Lord prophetically speaks to us because this is what he's wanting to do. This is why retreats and conferences Retreats and conferences are not more powerful. There's just more expectation and anticipation. It's not like God says, ooh, I really love moving at conferences more than Sunday mornings. Or when you go to a retreat center, that's really where I like to move. Now, do you know why? You remember growing up going to retreats? 
It's like, I don't know why, man. It was powerful. Like God just met us and moved. Do you know why? Because people are showing up with that expectation and with that anticipation. Let's build that Sunday mornings. Let's, let's build that every time we open our word, every time we get together. So the second reason why I think the Lord speaks to us is because he's inviting us to participate and partner with him. God will speak to us, and many times, I'm going to share this dream, it's a simple word, but he's trying to get us locked in on this. He's inviting us to participate and to partner with him on what he wants to do. God will many times speak to you, reveal what he's going to do or what he desires to do. God's going to reveal what he's going to do or what he desires to do, and then he says, will you partner with me? Will you participate in this, in what I want to do? And there has to be a clarity. One of the things I mentioned for Christmas, sorry, San Diego, but for Christmas, I shared a couple messages, I, I shared a couple stories about my wife. Somebody came up to me afterwards, if you're at Christmas, they're like, does CJ ever get mad at you for sharing stories? I'm like, I don't know. If she's mad at me, she shouldn't, you know, keep creating them. Don't create those stories for me to tell. <laughs> but it's not my fault. Not my fault. Are you with me, San Diego? You agree with me, San Diego. Sacramento doesn't. But in our near-perfect marriage that we have, uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the areas that irritates CJ the most, and CJ's a pretty gracious person, you know, she's a pretty easygoing person, but I know this, there's an area that just irritates her, and, and men, husbands, if you're married, you probably get this a little bit, but it's when I point but don't talk. If I'm needing something or trying to communicate something, but I don't use words, I just point, which makes total sense for me. There's napkins next to you that I need. I need those napkins. And so I'll kind of point at something. <laughs> oh, it just, her blood starts boiling. She's like, don't, what do you, what, what, what do you need? Just t- tell me what you need. I don't know what you're, you're pointing. Like she wants to help. She's like, I want to help. I have no idea what this means. I don't know what this means. What does this mean? I'm like, whoa, okay, sorry. <laughs> like, I, right? but, but this is the thing. In order, to true, in order to fully participate, there has to be clarity about, God, what is it that you're doing? And God's a very clear communicator. Unlike me who just points when I need something and don't communicate, God will actually say, no, this is what I'm wanting to do. This is what I'm going to release. This is what the season is. He'll communicate to us. This was the simplicity of the dream. San Diego, you haven't heard this yet, but uh, about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, whatever it was, I had a simple dream. In the dream, I was actually standing next to a table, and I was speaking into a video camera. Somebody was interviewing me, I think. And there was a camera there, or somebody behind the camera, they were interviewing me. And I just said this phrase. I just said... God is putting a fresh fire in his people. That's what I said. In the dream, it was just this word. God is putting a fresh fire in his people. And I want to tell you right now, I believe that God is speaking to us about 2023. And I believe that God has given us a focus for even this next 21 days. God is going to put a fresh fire in his people. Fire is really symbolic throughout the Old and New Testament. 
You see the concept of the fire of God in many different ways throughout the Old and New Testament, but one of the ways you see it predominantly is the fire of God connected to the presence of God, connected to, the, to, to God's presence in their midst. The Israelites were led by a, a pillar of fire, the, the fire that came and consumed the burning bush, the, the, the fire of God that came from heaven and consumed uh, uh, burnt offerings or lit the altar in the tabernacle of Moses. Even you see that, that in the Old Testament, they, they had a priority. They were, they were mandated a priority to keep the fire lit. This fire that I'm going to show you, in fact, you can go there. You don't have to go there. I'll put it on the screen. But Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12, there was, a, there was, a, a burnout, there was an altar, and it was lit by heaven. So this is important to understand. The fire that was burning on the altar in, in the tabernacle was not actually earthly fire. It was, it was lit by heaven's fire. Heaven lit this fire, and then the mandate that was given them was don't ever let that fire go out. Don't ever let that fire go out. Top priority, number one focus, is you've got to make sure that fire keeps going. This is what Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12 says this. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. Then listen to verse 13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. The picture is this, is that the fire of God, the fire from heaven that was in their midst, had to be priority. It could not be neglected. It had to be lit. I just need you to understand this concept. That, that there wasn't, it wasn't like, well, God, I, what, I, got, I got really busy. I, you know, I, man, my, uh, my, my, I got soccer going on, work's pretty stressful. And the Lord said, no, no, that fire above all else has to be lit. It can't go out. That fire that came from heaven. I mean, think about this concept that it, it's, 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 the, it's signifying the, the presence of God in their midst. Yes. And God's saying, this fire has to take priority. They were a nomadic people, guys. They also had to like pick up and move. They had to keep that. Think about the level of inconvenience that you would have. To keep a fire lit as a million plus, it's just a million plus people are moving that they're, they're still saying, we got to keep that fire lit even when we're moving. Even we got to pack up. They would put a copper bowl over it just to make sure it's safe. They put a copper bowl over it just to make sure it's safe. And I'm saying, God, God says, I don't care if it's an inconvenience. I don't care if it has to, if you have to say no to something else to say yes to this. Keep the fire lit above all else. It's the fire of God. But in the New Testament, the fire is also extremely important. But the fire of God in the New Testament shifts and rests on people and in people. The presence of God that was in the midst of the Israelites, the presence of God that we saw, all of a sudden, we're going to see this, that the fire of God would rest on people, but it, all of a sudden, that, that presence of God now was going to dwell within his people. 
It wasn't just going to dwell amongst his people. It was going to dwell in his people through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit was now going to be, and that, and that fire was going to lead them and sanctify them, empower them, fill them, purify them. John prophesizes. If you have your Bibles, this is where I do want to turn. John prophesizes in Luke chapter 3. San Diego, are you with me? I'm just assuming you are. I've got a rebuke for Reuben coming up for mocking the senior pastor. It'll be right after this message. <laughs> Go ahead and turn to Reuben right now and just stare at him. Feel free down there. <laughs> Luke chapter 3, verse 16. People were wondering if John was the Messiah. I mean, John was doing all this stuff, and so they said, hey, is this the Messiah? And John is wanting to clear up, no, I'm not the Messiah, John the Baptist. He says this, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And look, look at how he describes Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Here's New Testament fire. He says, no, here's the Messiah. Jesus, he's coming. And here's what he's going to do. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yes. Acts chapter 2. Look at this. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, so John the Baptist's prophetic word about Jesus, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. So he tells the disciples, he says, I'm going to send you a helper. Jesus says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And then he says this. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, this is the birthing of the church. The church, the big C church around the world that you're a part of, the church that you're a member of, that was birthed over 2,000 years ago in an upper room in Jerusalem, that church... It says this, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Amen. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the fire of God, the presence of God, now dwelling in his people, on and in his people through the power of the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The church of Jesus Christ was birthed in fire. And the church of Jesus Christ is sustained by fire, is led by fire, is purified by fire, is empowered by fire. It is the fire of God that we need to long for. It is the fire of God that has to be the priority in our midst. His presence above all else that says, Holy Spirit, our attention is on you. 
that you would come and put a fresh fire inside of us. I believe that one of the reasons the Lord gave me that simple dream is because he is wanting to put a focus in your life. And even in these next 21 days, that we would just say, God, that you would put a fresh fire inside of us. The very fire of God that birthed the church, the fire of God that purifies and sanctifies and empowers that fire of God, that it would grow and awaken, that it would, there would be a fresh fire burning in your life. Some of you in this room, you maybe have never fully experienced what it is to live in that phrase that we would say just on fire for God, where his presence is priority above all else. Some of you have, but it's just grown dim, and the Lord just says, I want to put a fresh fire in you. I want to put a fresh stirring, a fresh hunger above all else that we would say we're not going to let the fire of God go out. I think as simple as the dream was, the concept of fire is a very simple concept as well. If you've taken any level of class, you would know this, that fire has three elements. It's, it's a chemical reaction, but it's made up of three elements. Fuel, oxygen, heat. Those three things make up fire. Fuel, oxygen, and heat. If you remove one of those elements, the fire goes out. That's the, if you remember in elementary school, they would, you know, the, the experiment you would do in school where you would light a candle and you would put like a mason jar over it and pretty soon it would consume all that oxygen and the fire would go out because there was no more oxygen. So they, they were just teaching the principle that if you removed one of, the ele- one of those three elements, if you remove it, that fire goes out. Fuel, oxygen, heat. I, I believe, I believe this. I, I believe that the next 21 days, I believe this year, next 20 years, but in the next 21 days, that there's something about us saying, God, we're going to bring fuel to this fire. There, our part is this, fuel and the oxygen. I, with the analogy of the three things, the Holy Spirit brings the heat. We, we have to bring the fuel the, and give some space. Sometimes people are like, man, my, I, I, just don't, I just don't feel that passion about God. I'm like, yeah, because you got him in a corner over here with no oxygen. <laughs> Here's my relationship with God. It's shoved into a mason jar over in a corner. Like, you got to get some oxygen on that thing. <laughs> You've got to, like, let that thing breathe a little bit. You got to come to some more services. You got to get, like, you just, honestly, you got to get some more oxygen on that thing. But here's, here's, the, here's what the Bible is very clear on. Our lives presented on the altar is the fuel that God responds to. Romans chapter 12. Look at this, Romans chapter 12. Paul's writing to church in Rome and he just says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, sometimes I say acceptable, that our lives are an acceptable offering. There were some offerings the Lord would not accept. 
our lives are pleasing to him. They're, they're an acceptable offering to put on the altar. This is your true and proper worship. I'm going to show you this in Chronicles, in First and Second Chronicles, but, but God responds to offerings on the altar. God responds to sacrifice. It's why when we worship, worship is not just our emotions get worked up and we're in the moment and we like the song and the chord progression's working for us. It, that's why the presence of God is in our midst. It's because as I bring that sacrifice of praise, God responds to that. It's an acceptable offering unto him. Let me show you this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you this phrase. God responds to sacrifice. God responds. San Diego, God responds to sacrifice. He is moved by sacrifice. If you want heaven's fire in your life, it responds and is attracted to a life that is laid down on the altar as the sacrifice. Like, I will tell you this, any move of God that you will ever read about in history has a person or a group of people attached to it who have laid themselves down on the altar. Who have laid down their agenda, have laid down their reputation, have laid down their convenience. Look at this, First Chronicles. Chapter 21. First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 26. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offering. David came like Elijah on Mount Carmel. He came and he lays the offering down and the Lord responded. The Lord answered with fire. David's son, Solomon, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 has a very similar experience. He knows the stories. He's heard, he's heard the stories of his dad putting the altar and God responding. And Solomon has the same experience. And this is my prayer right now, guys. I my prayer is this, that our children would experience the same fire from heaven that we've experienced. That the same fire that David has experienced, that Solomon would experience as well. We can't pray for our children to experience this fire if we ourselves are not willing to build the altars and put ourselves there. 2 Chronicles 7.1 says this, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Do you know that the upper room was this? If you look at the three elements, fuel, oxygen, heat, the upper room was a bunch of people that got together and just made room gave space, created some oxygen, and said, God, here we are. And God responded 
by sending fire in the upper room. God responds to sacrifice. He responds to sacrifice. I want to tell you, in the next 21 days, this isn't just our, hey, this is what we do every year, and it's super fun, and we love our, we love our 21 days. We are coming to seek the Lord, and we are coming as two churches in California, as individuals, for your family, for your life, and I am believing this. God is going to put a fresh fire in people. And we are going to come and offer ourselves and just say, God, would you respond from heaven with fire? Would you find my life as an acceptable sacrifice unto you? And we're going to come together and we're going to worship and we're going to pray. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to look down on our little 7 a.m. prayer gathering on Instagram. Maybe you're going to get up a little bit earlier than you normally do. And you're going to get on Instagram You're going to take 30 minutes to pray with us and God's going to say, there is sacrifice that I'll respond to. That they're putting themselves as fuel and God's going to respond with fire. It's more than anything else, just a church that has the presence of God in our midst. A church that has anticipation and expectation that every time we gather, God's going to move in our midst. God is amongst us. God is going to meet with us. God is going to speak to us. God is going to heal us. God is going to restore us. God is going to change us. God is going to set us free. This is what happens. Thanks for listening to the message of the week. Hungry for more? Search Jesus Culture on your podcast platforms to check out more from our Jesus Culture podcast network.